Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. It is a true emergency. Quick, run. love aliens. We're in. Great. That's our our next hit. Beep boop 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 that started to sound like rock and robin toward the end and i was digging it yeah um we're not stealing we're borrowing yeah okay time for a mystery wait i have some things i do too okay good you want me to do my things first or do you want to do things let's do how many things do you have three i have two okay Okay, so you do a thing, and then I'll do a thing, and then you do a thing, and then I'll do a thing, and then you do a thing. Okay. Or you do all yours, and I'll do... I only have two. Both great suggestions. Thank you. So, I'm not going to offer a choice. <laughs> I'm not going to choose. <laughs> the first thing I have is some shout-outs. Whoop, whoop. Um, wanted to give a shout-out to Sean from Glasgow mm. for her review and her DM. Thanks. Um, she wrote a really nice review and sent it to us, and I really liked this line. Beyond psyched to have found this podcast while falling deep in a pit of existential crisis. And then in parentheses, you know how Tuesday evenings go. Ugh, um, hit me just, so deep. I said to her, I was like, I really like to think that our podcast is at its best during an existential crisis. Truly. Um, it also just makes me happy how fucking funny our listeners are like i know all of the women that write us messages are always like so bright and like quick and funny and like when the girls when lexi and gracie a1 since day one uh jump on the live stream which i think we're going to talk about that was one of my things they always like say really funny stuff and it's I know, like so and nice it's to like, have them are we gonna have to fight <laughs> no i think that they should all have their own podcast and we should all start a network right oh. <laughs> Um, does That's that so segue cute. into one of your things? Yeah, one of my things is we haven't talked about this yet, but we are now live streaming. Yeah. On an app called Live AF. It's really fun. It's really fun. Originally, the plan was like live stream the podcast, and then we were like, hey, but what if mm-hmm. we just got a bunch of goosebumps, choose your own adventure books, and read those instead on the live stream? So we let the audience vote. Uh, and decide which, like, if we follow the ghosts down the corridor or if we hide behind the bookcase in the yeah. library. 
And then when we die, we just undie. And we've started making charts that like map out the whole Goosebumps mm-hmm. book. And it's so fun. And shout out to Lexi and Gracie and Danielle and Danielle. Jeremy. Danielle, can we give our... a shout out to Danielle? Yeah. So Danielle is the woman who originally contacted us about being on Live AF, and she has proven to be one of the greatest things for real in general. Like just one of the greatest things. Um, she last week, last time we went live, we did a book about a werewolf camp and there was a nerd in it and she was like staunchly anti Todd the nerd <laughs> and it was very funny and she ended up being right because every time we help Todd we died yeah so thank you Danielle and Lexi and Gracie for tuning in you guys are so much fun and Jeremy for and Jeremy. always giving the like always being the contrarian of the group and saying like run when we shouldn't run and it's a lot of fun so if you like the podcast you should definitely tune into yeah. the Goosebumps live stream and because you can see our faces which is jarring I'm sure <laughs> But it is really fun, and we really enjoy riffing on the writing. It's a lot of, it's it's a shenanigan and a half. Um, it is, I would say, maybe even two full shenanigans. Yeah, you're right. And then my last thing is, we didn't tell them about this, but I, Tanya, came out of my computer. Oh, we didn't say anything? We haven't said anything yet. I really think it's a good omen. That it things must are gonna be, be. This is going to be a good year for us or something, because I don't. it was in your computer for like four years. Well, when did I, Tanya, come out? Whatever year that was is when it's, it. Yeah went in yeah and then the other day i opened my computer and it started making the same sound that it made when it was trying to play i Tonya, and then all of a sudden it just like out the side <laughs> and i had a full like come to jesus moment yeah. where i was yeah. like something is going on You're in like the, the universe. universe has shifted and now I, but now i just have i don't have anywhere to store dvds because it's 2019 yeah so i have a flipped over i Tonya on my coffee table and I'm like trying not to scratch it because technically I'm not even supposed to have it yeah well you can scratch it up and throw it away oh god I might frame it you should frame it should I, I frame it, it? Back. You okay should definitely frame it. <laughs> I'm gonna frame it please do okay great remind me to do that okay you just bought all those frames I know but that was four specific pieces of art I know I need to get like a, a dvd is there a frame for cd for just a cd yeah <laughs> not even the case I don't know we could find out Okay, I'm going to do that. That's incredible. And I'm going to write the date that it went in. <laughs> yeah, and the date that it came out. Yeah. Like a, like a like on a tombstone. <laughs> yes. Like 2014 to, to 2019. September. It was in there to for August so long. To, yeah. Surprisingly, my computer has not gotten any more functional. That's not surprising to me. <sighs> I don't feel that I, Tanya, was what was holding it back after all I this really time. I really thought that it was. <laughs> This whole time I was like, maybe it's just slow because it's trying to show me the dramatic retelling of a figure skater. And it's just because I think Is this an allegory for our lives? Like the thing that we thought was holding us back this whole time was actually not the problem even a little bit? (laughs) No. I'm upset because I feel like now we've been set up so that the story of the I, Tanya screener is going to be a metaphor for our lives forever. (laughs) Like when we're 60, we're going to be like, this is... I, Tanya, was telling us this. <laughs> that, just as the prophecy foretold. Just as the prophecy foretold. Also, can I just say, if, I don't know why, but I just got, like, a wave of relief that we finished Roswell. I'm so relieved. Because that was, like, a month of Roswelling that we did. And my brain was melting the whole time. Yeah. My last thing is, I just wanted to make everyone aware of this charity. So my boss recently did, like, a cool thing with this charity, and I think it's super cool. So... Um, there's a charity called One Tree Planted, and they're a nonprofit based in Vermont that plants trees all over the world. 
Um, but they're doing a big push right now to plant trees in the Amazon. Mm-hmm. So you can go to onetreeplanted.org and donate a dollar to plant a tree. And you can also gift your donation and they'll send an email to the person that you're gifting it to and be like, hey, Kayla planted a tree for you in the Amazon. I have an idea. Um, and I was going to, I actually have an idea too, which is maybe we can make that an incentive to like rate and review. So if you like rate and review, we'll plant a tree for you. Oh, that's way better than mine. What was your idea? Mine was to just like donate on behalf of all the shitty white men in charge of our country. That's a great idea. So that they keep getting emails. That's like this brown girl planted a a tree in the Amazon. But I like yours too. You know what we should do is if you rate and review, we'll, for every rate and review, we'll donate a dollar and plant a tree and then send it to like Jeff fucking Sessions. That's also doable. And you can request which white man it's going to. Love it. We can, You combined our ideas. Oh, uh, yes. We work best this as a team. This is synergy. Um, so, yeah, that's a nice way to pay it forward. And I think also, uh, I wrote this too late in the game. Um, I think that next week, because I'm out of town this weekend, but I think we'll start posting a schedule in advance for Goosebumps Live instead of yeah. just the day of. So check our Instagram if you want to see when we're doing the next Goosebumps Live. And if you follow us on the app... Um, it'll tell you when we update our schedule. Correct. Great. Yay. Anything else? That's all my business. Um, shall we ceremonially crack a beer? Yes. This is for Sean. For Sean! And the Amazon. I was about to say that. Shamazon. <laughs> Amazon. Nailed it. Did it. <laughs> so I'm going first because I'm a brat. And <laughs> Kayla was like, I think I'm going first. And I was like... And she no, was like, but okay, I could have been, you can go. I could have been like, no, it's my turn. <laughs> then you would have also been a brat. Yeah. But right now it's just me that's a brat. I just don't want to sink to your level. <laughs> God, that was so well played. Thank you. And speaking of sinking. <laughs> no. Yeah. Really? It's on theme with my murder. Is it a ghost ship? No. Oh, okay. Oh, God. So what else sinks? This is the mysterious case of the Australian shark arm murder. Huh? (laughs) The what? (laughs) This is the mysterious case of the Australian shark arm murder. Shark arm murder. Yes. I thought the shark was named R period (laughs) murder. Murder. Like he had like an author's name. Like... (laughs) These books written by Bitten Binder. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm ready. Are you going to do the accent? No. Mm. I will. I can't. Okay. It's like the trip. Early 1939. This is f- fine. Also, that was the wrong year. So I'm <laughs> off to a bad story. Early 1935. <laughs> what, was that? what was that? Was that Australian? Yeah. Okay. The Coogee like- Aquarium. <laughs> And swimming baths. Now it's getting British. Baths. Okay. So in early 1935, the Coogee Aquarium and swimming baths were not doing well. That is an interesting combination of businesses. (laughs) I know. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, here's a range of dangerous sea life. And a pool. And a bath. (laughs) (laughs) Um... So they weren't doing well because it was the depression and the depression had weakened the economy. And I wrote, and people, I guess, didn't have extra money to spend on petting stingrays. (laughs) I was kind of in a rush when I wrote this. And also I have to shout out, I got most of this information from BuzzFeed Unsolved, who I've discovered is my new favorite source. Listen, BuzzFeed Unsolved does their shit right. And Wikipedia for the other part of it. 
Can we talk really quickly? There's like a little thing on the internet where people are like, isn't it crazy how when we were kids, everyone was like, you can't use Wikipedia as a source, even though it's like the most heavily cited yes. website. I'm furious because I fought for it in I high school. I forgot about that. But they really were like, you can't use Wikipedia. It you have to use like Encyclopedia Britannica. Which is now useless. Defunct. I go to Encyclopedia Britannica sometimes for my mysteries and it's like the bare minimum of, minimum of information. And it's like... No, do you remember you used to have to subscribe to Encyclopedia Britannica? Because this was right after right. the hundred years where you had to buy encyclopedias. And they were like, now you have to give us money and, online. Yeah. And you would like, someone would show up to your door and be like, I have volumes like G through Q. Do you want to buy any of these? And you would just slowly collect over time until you owned A through Z of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, it's crazy. And then they went and online. And they would come in the Wells Fargo wagon. Yes. Until, like, 1999. And then they went online and they were like, you can pay us $60 a month or whatever to be subscribed to all the information. It's an outdated business model. I mean, it's just so stupid. Okay. Wikipedia is smarter. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. People didn't have money for stingrays. A shark bath. Yeah. Okay. So, the owner and proprietor, Bert Hobson, was really needed, like, a new attraction to draw in more visitors. Well, he got lucky because on April 18th of 1935, Bert and his son Rob caught a 14-foot, one-ton tiger shark <gasps> off the coast of Australia. One ton? Wait, how long is 14 feet? Big. More than me. It's like more than two of my mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> one of your mom would be a big shark. That's true. She's so tall. She is. I love your mom. Me too. Um, so they brought the shark back to the aquarium Mm -hmm. and they were stoked because they were like, this is the perfect attraction. So about a week after they brought the shark to the aquarium, (laughs) a boatload of visitors did not Mm. do it on purpose. (laughs) A bunch of visitors were there, um, checking out the new tiger shark when suddenly the tiger shark started convulsing (gasps) and then eventually regurgitating a rat. Okay. A bird. And then a human arm. That is a three-course meal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, Bert Hobson called the police, who came and fished the arm out of the tank. I hope they didn't do that in front of the visitors, but it was the 30s, so they I probably did. I hope they did. So the police came, they fished the arm out of the tank, and they discovered that the arm had a big tattoo inside the forearm of two boxers fighting. Cute. Which is such a 1935 Love. tattoo. Love. Love that journey for them. So the shark was killed and they searched its stomach contents. So that's the second murder of the story so far. No, just give it like a colonoscopy. They didn't find any other remains in its stomach. But apparently, according to Wikipedia, before it was captured, the tiger shark had devoured a smaller shark. And it was the smaller shark that had originally swallowed the human arm. (gasps) I love... All of them. Isn't that crazy? Wait, so the shark threw up the other shark's arm meal. Yeah. And then they killed that shark. Yeah. Because they're assholes. Yes. Great. The police used fingerprints, which were, like, which was new technology Sharks at the don't time. have fingers. And the BuzzFeed Unsolved guys, shout out to them. They say they used the fingerprints to identify the arm's original operator. <laughs> <laughs> That's very I good. love those guys. Um, so it turned out that the arm belonged to Jimmy Smith, which sounds like a completely made up name. Totally made up. But he was real. Or like he sounds like he w- would appear in a like 50s 
PSA about sexuality where they're yes. like, I'm Jimmy Smith. And they're yeah. like, don't touch a lady's breast unless you feel entitled to it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And they're like, you're also not gay because that's the devil's work and it's made up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the devil's work. And it's made up. <laughs> like, it's not real, but hell is. Um, so, apparently Jimmy Smith was uh, the, he was a billiards bar keep. And he was, uh, at one point, a lightweight boxer, which explains the tattoo. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, do we have to get podcasting tattoos so that if a shark eats our arms, they're like, ah, looks like they were podcasters. We already said that. Don't we investigate gonna- it. <laughs> So further investigation revealed that the arm had been severed with a knife, which led to a murder investigation because also, I guess the shark, there was like a wave of shark attacks that year. So the shark could have just like bitten someone's arm off. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily homicide until they were like, the arm had been severed with a knife and the cops were probably like, how did the shark get a knife? Well, sharks don't have fingers. (laughs) Famously. (laughs) I love, I just imagined these Australian cops like looking at the fingerprints and they're like, they're like, looks like the arm was severed with a knife. And then the other cop goes, had the shark get a knife. knife. (laughs) And they're like, oh shit. (laughs) This shark had a knife. Sharks don't have money. Must have stolen it. A crime. (laughs) Better investigate. (laughs) Listen, you can't buy a knife with a seashell. And we all know that undersea currency is seashells. Sand dollars. <laughs> and I'm just imagining a, a shark fin, like, holding a knife. <laughs> and like, now I'm imagining shark cops investigating the shark crime. <laughs> but they would investigate the murder. Yeah. Of the of shark. Of the shark. Yeah. They'd be like, how'd they know we had a knife? <laughs> Clever girl. Clever girl. So, in the early 1930s, Jimmy started working as... Still broken. Okay, go back. In my head, she put her laptop down upside down, and in my head, I was like, it's going to spill. <laughs> like, like a salad when you, if you like flip it over. Yeah. Um, or more famously, soup. In the early 1930s, Jimmy started... <laughs> I don't know why I picked a non-liquid to describe that. Also, who is turning salads upside down? <laughs> it's been a long week. In the early 30s, Jimmy started working as a builder for a man named Reginald Holmes, Holmes, who was a pillar of the community, but he was actually doing a bunch of shady shit under the surface. Yeah, that sounds right. When he wasn't running a successful boat building business, he was running insurance scams and organizing drug deals using his speedboat to collect drugs from incoming ships. Very inconspicuous. Yeah, not at all conspicuous. Speedboats are so flashy. Yeah, and it's just like one guy in a yachting hat, like at the helm. Yeah. And two hot girls. Yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> as, he, as so he goes fast. by, you just hear like... I mean, use anything else. Use like... A, my grandfather used to have this like square boat that we would take out on a lake. And I was like, this is the worst, ugliest thing I've ever seen. Use anything else. Anything but use a flashy speedboat. For your I crimes. Mean, they already have knives. So, j- shark mob. So, <laughs> coming this summer on shark A&E. Tale too. It's, no, I was gonna do like shark, shark mob, mob on like A on like History Channel. Oh, I was doing a Will Smith animated <laughs> sequel. 
very rarely are you and I so not on the same page, but yes, that but so was deliciously like a... into. <laughs> I was imagining like a History Channel show that's like, are sharks forming mafia crime families? And we're like, yep. Ancient <laughs> astronaut theorists say yes. Oh my god, I would watch Shark Mob. I would also watch Shark Tale too, Shark Mob. <laughs> So, Jimmy Smith was working as a builder for Richard Holmes, and he got wrapped up in the shady shit that Richard Holmes was doing, and he basically became his right-hand man. Um, oops. That's another uh, accidental pun. Pun. It's not a pun. It's a bat. It's uh, it's an accident. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pun. It's an accident. I said he became his right-hand man. Oh. I didn't mean to. Okay. Um, he was scamming builders out of supplies and he would, uh, do the drug runs on the speedboat. And he also was the caretaker of a pleasure boat called the Pathfinder. I just, there's so many other directions you could take for the name of a pleasure boat. (laughs) So Smith and Holmes also worked with an old friend of Jimmy's who was named Patrick Brady. Patrick Brady was a no good Nick from the start. In a world, no good Nick in one in World War One in one World War, he uh, discovered his knack for forging the signatures of generals. I don't know what he was doing with those signatures. And only generals, like if it was any other rank, he was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> They're good like, question. Hey, can you sign this to put on the behalf of the colonel? And he's like, "Nope, colonel, can't do it." So Smith and Holmes um, and Patrick, okay, so Mm -hmm. the three of them started forging checks and Mm -hmm. stealing small amounts of money from Holmes's like above board clients. At some point, there was a disagreement with between the three of them over the scam and Jimmy started blackmailing Richard Holmes. On April 7th of 1935, 11 days before Bert Hobson caught the tiger shark, Jimmy Smith and Patrick Brady were playing cards at the Cecil Hotel. Then... Why do I know? There's one in LA. And there was a crime Is there. Is that the one where Elisa Lamb died? I don't remember. There but, was something at the Cecil. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. We've talked about going there. Yeah. Um, this was in Sydney, Australia, though. So then the two of them went to a small cottage that Patrick Brady owned in a beach community called Cronulla. A cab driver reported driving Patrick Brady from the cottage to Richard Holmes's house later that night alone. He later testified he was disheveled, he had a hand in a pocket, and he wouldn't take it out. It was clear that he was frightened. Was it his hand? Good question. <laughs> he so he just had like, someone else's arm sticking out of pocket. his pocket. <laughs> He wouldn't take his hand out, his third hand out of his pocket. He wouldn't take the hand out of his pocket. He's like, it's for a shark. I mean, but literally, regardless, he was like hiding the arm in his jacket, probably. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so Jimmy Smith's wife got nervous when Jimmy didn't come home from what he had told her was, he said he was going fishing and he was obviously playing cards, but he never came back, which was suspicious. And so... She then received a call from a man who said, don't worry, Jimmy will be home in three days' time. Very long card game. Fishing trip. Go fish. 
I was going to say something entirely different. A clue. But that's way better. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to be like, they hit him with a draw four and everyone just keeps going. (laughs) So obviously he never came back. And three days later, the shark vomited his arm up at the aquarium. So he was back in three days time. Correct. Part of it. In three days time. (laughs) Uh, So Patrick Brady was arrested on forgery charges, but mostly just because the cops knew that he had something to do with Jimmy's disappearance. After six hours of questioning, he told them nothing, but then they questioned his wife, and finally, he made a statement implicating Richard Holmes, which makes me think that he was probably also, like, cheating on his wife, and he was like, don't talk to her. Like, it it seems more like he was trying to hide something from her than from the police. And she was like, oh, I'll talk. Yeah. So, um, actually, that comes back later. It's part of a theory that I didn't write anything about. But, um, so... He made a statement and said that Richard Holmes was involved. When Richard Holmes was questioned, he claimed to not even know Patrick Brady, which we know is not true. I don't even know her. (laughs) She doesn't even go here. (laughs) A few days later, Richard Holmes took his speedboat out in Sydney Harbor with a bottle of alcohol and a pistol. Holmes got drunk on the boat and then shot himself in the head with the pistol. Whoa. Another man who was out boating with his children reported almost being hit by a boat that was driving erratically around the bay. And when he was questioned later, he said, you won't miss him. He has a bullet hole in his forehead (gasps) because Holmes survived the gunshot. No way. Which knocked him into the water. The bullet flattened against the bone of the forehead and he was just stunned. It didn't even go all the way through. Nope. It was 1935 and it was like, it was like a bad bullet probably. It was probably made from, like, wartime recycled tinfoil. And he, like, shot himself in the head and just flattened against his skull. That's crazy. It's about to get a lot more stupider. Really? Because we already have sharks with knives. (laughs) It's about to quote the family Chantel. It's about to get a lot more stupider. (laughs) Because he climbed back into the boat and tried to drive the boat to Sydney Harbor. And then police boats started following him and chased him for four hours. Insert, like where? Just in the bay. When they finally (laughs) caught up to him and took him to the hospital, he claimed that he had been shot by strangers and was trying to escape them and mistook the police boats for the people who shot him. Sure, 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 sure. I don't buy it. I buy it. Really? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. He told the police... Jimmy Smith is dead, and there is only another left. If you leave me until tonight, I will finish him. What kind of cryptic poetry? Don't know. There's only another left? Yeah. And if you leave me until tonight, I'll finish him, presumably being the other. Yes. Only another what? I don't know. Ask my eighth grade boyfriend that wrote that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Holmes claimed that he hadn't planned the scheme to kill Jimmy. He claimed that he had actually been extorted by Patrick Brady and that Patrick Brady had showed up at Holmes's house with the severed arm and attempted to blackmail him, saying that he would tell the police that Richard Holmes killed Jimmy. I like to imagine that he showed up and like had it in his sleeve. Yeah. And like went to shake hands and then like pulled away. (laughs) It was like, gotcha. He was like, oh, 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 oh. You get blackmailed. There was a buzzer in the hand. <laughs> oh, double prank. And he was like, Gzz, and he's like, oh, sorry, that's my prank buzzer. And then he backed up and the arm came off. Um, God, my Or better, so he goofy. like knocked at the door oh, with yeah. the arm. <laughs> with 
with like the loose wrist. <laughs> Who is it? Um, okay, so he claimed that Patrick Brady showed up and was like, I killed Jimmy and I'm going to pin it on you if you don't give me all your money or whatever he was extorting him about. Um, he claimed that Patrick cut the body up, put the pieces in a trunk and threw it into Gunamata Bay, which is probably pronounced Ganamata. Gunamata? Ganamata. It's G-U-N-N-A-M-A-T-T-A. Ganamata. Yeah, probably. Uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved notes that in the ni- in the 20s and 30s, this method of body disposal was so common that it was referred to as the Sydney send-off. <laughs> the cops would be like, eh, looks like he gave him a Sydney send-off. That was good. Is my accent getting better yeah. in real time yeah. on the podcast? I'm hearing you grow as a human. Thank you. I and really I feel, feel like really blessed. As we go <laughs> we remember... All the time we <laughs> spent together. Um, Holmes told the police that he paid Brady the blackmail money and that Brady left the arm in his living room. But then he panicked, threw it into the ocean, and it was apparently eaten by a shark. Which was then eaten by another shark. Correct. One could say it was eaten by a baby shark. Do 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 do. That was eaten by. Don't do this to us. A mommy shark. Do 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 do. So, (laughs) uh, Holmes was going to be charged with accessory to murder, unless so Richard Holmes was. They were like, okay, we we don't buy it, but we kind of do. So we're going to charge you as an accessory to murder unless you agree to testify against Patrick Brady. He agreed. The inquest was set for June twelfth. On June 11th of 1935, Holmes withdrew 500, is Australian money pounds at this time? Dollars. Oh, at the time? Yeah, they used a pound symbol, which makes me think it was pounds. Maybe. Because it was like only, you know, like 100 years out from being a British colony. I don't know, but that sounds right. Holmes withdrew 500 pounds from his account, and late in the evening, he left home telling his wife that he had to meet someone. He was apparently very cautious as he left his home, and he was accompanied by his wife to the door of his car. Early the next morning, he was found dead in his car at Hickson Road, Dawes Point. He had been shot three times at close range in the chest. The crime scene was made to appear that Holmes had committed suicide, but forensic police had no doubt that it was a murder. I mean, they found him hours before he was set to testify at the inquest. Wow. So now there are three murders in the story. Shark. Shark, (laughs) Arm boy. Jimmy and Richard Holmes. In his 1995 book, The Shark Arm Murders, which sounds like a goosebump choose your own scare. Yeah, it truly does. Professor Alex Castle claims that Reginald Holmes took out a contract on his own life to spare his family the public disgrace of conviction and his evidence for that is that he apparently took out a huge life insurance policy right before he was found dead. That's kind of nice. But that also sounds like something that someone would do if they knew that they were probably going to get murdered yeah. by a sh- no good Nick. If Brady's, I knew I was going to get murdered, I would take out a life insurance policy and, and just give it all to me. Give it to you. Thank all you. $37. Thank you. And my mean cat. <laughs> <laughs> and your jumpsuit. And then you're going to... I want your flight suit. You can have my flight suit. And I'm going to mail you a shirt that says my best friend got murdered and all I got was, was this lousy <laughs> That's a shirt we have to make for Mystery (laughs) Doing. Or my best friend got murdered and all I got was her mean cat and $37. Yeah. (laughs) 
Someone who loved me very much got murdered, and all I got was this shitty life insurance policy. <laughs> and saved 15% by switching to Geico. Did you know they help with renter's insurance? Sorry, I just fell into the matrix for a second there. Okay. Um, Brady's trial still went on. <laughs> that was weird. Capitalism it was like, at its finest. That was weird. It was like a, I was like a sleeper cell. Like I said, like, life insurance policy. And then my brain was like, did you know that Geico can help with renter's insurance? You were like, awoken. <laughs> yeah. Like a, but it's just for marketing? Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea. Like a sleeper cell for marketing. Yeah. Where they just make, they like give millennials trigger words. <laughs> and we're just like at a bar, like... Blah, 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 blah. Uh, life insurance policy. And then they're like, did you know that you can save 15%? We're like, tar- it's like targeted ads. Yeah. That's amazing. I think we should do that. You want to be complicit in the global takeover? Yes. No, I don't. But if we are, then we can kill the snake from inside the head. <laughs> <laughs> you can What's kill the shark from inside the shark. What's that phrase? Take them down from the inside. <laughs> yeah, or cut off the fish rotting at the head. The fish rots at the head, as they say. Cut off the snake, kill the knife. <laughs> I don't know, Wayfair's having a sale. <laughs> I know okay. I get their emails. <laughs> so, um, so Brady's trial still went on, but there were no witnesses. Because <laughs> everyone who would have testified against him was dead. And because there were no witnesses, the case fell apart. His lawyer argued that according to a British statute from 1276, a body was necessary to conduct an inquest and a limb does not technically qualify as a body. Uh, So take a drink because the one rule I remember from our drinking game is when there's no police work done, you have to take a drink. take a drink. Although that's, I mean, the police did stuff, but that's, you know, whatever. Anyway. The crisp, refreshing taste of negligent law enforcement. (laughs) Um, th- is that a Jones soda flavor? <laughs> I think that's the blue one. My favorite. <laughs> Jones soda. <laughs> this is an ad for a, a, a soda that I don't think they even make anymore. They do. It's like Gelson's. Do they? Yeah. Okay. They also claimed that, and they this is a claim from the prosecution of this 1935 case, and this is... So we can trust it. Disclaimer, this is meant for entertainment purposes only. It's not medical advice. (laughs) You have to seek out an actual practitioner for that. But they claim that a shark digests food within 24 hours. So the prosecution's timeline didn't line up, if that was true. They also claimed... So that would mean that in less than 24 hours, one shark that was already in the aquarium bath ate the arm <laughs> right and then another that's what shark saying. ate that's what oh they're saying. that's what they're getting at yeah they're like someone whoever they claimed that the limb could have been thrown into the tank at the aquarium and that it was never inside the shark at all which seems like a really weird tact take for this murder investigation like getting stuck on the lit you know what i mean because it doesn't yeah. matter that the shark ate the limb no in the harbor but they used it to establish a timeline okay. so that was the defense. Did I say the prosecution? I meant mm-hmm. the defense. That was the defense's argument. So the defense was like, he couldn't have done it because sharks don't digest food yes. slow enough yes. for it to match up. The prosecution brought in ichthyologists who claimed that the arm could have upset the shark's tummy and hindered its digestion. Shark tummy! <laughs> they also brought forth, maybe more pointedly, 14 witnesses who all said they watched the shark vomit up the arm at the aquarium. <laughs> 
And at that point, I feel like, why did they even bring the shark doctor in? You don't need an ichthyologist <laughs> if you have a bunch of people going, yeah, I saw, saw the, shark the shark throw, throw up. up the arm. And the ichthyologist is like, it could have upset its tummy. <laughs> and I feel like some of the witnesses were children. <laughs> like in their I little saw hats. I shark throw up. <laughs> Is Tommy Hoat, I know. Bobby, is it true that at Show and Tell on April 11th, 1935, mm-hmm. you told the class that you, quote unquote, saw the shark blow chunks? I saw the shark blow chunks. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted Star of the Week. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <clears throat> after a day and a half, Patrick Brady was acquitted. A Sydney Ugh. newspaper reported, of course you're innocent, Mr. Brady, but please don't do it again, Mr. Brady. That's fair fucking hilarious oh my god i want to say that to like an ex so yeah for real so (sighs) keep in mind (laughs) drink drink, i always say that i'm gonna drink for that one what's what's important is this is like the end of the mystery but just remember we actually don't know how jimmy died because we never found his body why either Mm -mm. we don't know how he died because no one ever found his body so was he shot we don't know. Was he stabbed? Who knows? Um, we. I think he was probably shot because Patrick Brady was like 5'4", mm-hmm. and Jimmy was like six foot. So he probably did. It probably wasn't like a blunt force thing. Yeah. Unless he surprised him. But um, oh, part of the pro- part of the defense's argument was that it would have been difficult for him to kill Jimmy because Jimmy was so much bigger than him. And then the, like, the prosecution was like, he's such a small little sad man. It's funny because he like <laughs> you know yeah because he has a pistol I'm sure but. So, um, also was, I, I mean, I think we're all pretty sure that Patrick Brady killed him, but was Patrick Brady acting for, on the behalf of Holmes and brought the arm to him to show that he had done the deed? Yeah. It's the, it's really like, or was he extorting Richard Why Holmes? are we carrying the arm around? Right. Is one of the main questions Huge mystery. Me. Unless it, I mean, the only acceptable answer is for a prank. Right. Um, I have... A, cu- a quick footnote to love, this arm mystery. I love feet notes. <laughs> um, what did we say that one time? We were like, a fun fact, a footnote, a foot fact. A foot fact. Yeah, here's a foot fact for you. It turns out that Holmes had purchased, insured, and then destroyed the Pathfinder as part of an insurance scam. Holmes, however, never received his insurance money. Jimmy Smith, we also found out later, had become a police informant. <gasps> and he was telling the authorities that they should look into the destruction of the Pathfinder. Foot fact. So if... It, that's like two interesting things. Richard Holmes never got the money. So mm-hmm. who had it? Did Jimmy take the money? I don't think anybody got the money. We don't know. And then also, Jimmy was an informant. So Richard Holmes would have had a reason to have him off. Yeah. But then it brings into question, like, why then did he then shoot himself in the head on a boat? Why did everyone do everything on a boat all the time? It's Australia. Yeah. Um, that literally, that only applies to, like, the populated, like, moneyed coastal areas of Australia. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing is, we were pretty sure that Jimmy died in that cottage, that beach cottage, mm-hmm. which is also, like, by the beach. So... Maybe Patrick Brady didn't bring the arm to Richard Holmes at all. Why do we think he... Oh, because of the cab driver? Mm-hmm. Who was like, he wouldn't take his hand out of his pocket? Yeah. 
And because Richard Holmes said later that he brought the arm and it left it in his living room. Yeah, but that could just be him talking shit. We don't like, know. So many mysteries about there this mystery. There are so many parts of this that are like huge question marks. Um, I think it's Alex Castle that wrote that book has another theory that I think is kind of off the wall, but I'll throw it out there, Please. which is he theorizes that Patrick Brady's wife said, and I don't know what this, like with what this source is, like if this is corroborated or not. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she actually said this, but he has this theory. She said that she went to the beach cottage where Jimmy was murdered because she thought that her husband was cheating on her. So she went there expecting to find him there with another woman, but actually came upon, like, she overheard through the door men playing cards and drinking. (gasps) And that Patrick Brady actually was out fishing and wasn't there. And that someone else killed Jimmy in the cottage, and then Patrick Brady came back and found him dead. Interesting. Um, Another thing that's important to note is, that's just a little suspicious, is that Richard Holmes' wife, died mysteriously in a fire in 1952. Hmm. And she probably knew a little something, something. Mm -hmm. Patrick Brady didn't die till 1965. So it's also possible that Patrick Brady arsoned Richard Holmes's wife because she knew something and was going to say something. But we don't know if any of that's true. It's all speculation. And that's... The mystery of the Australian shark arm murders. I have so many questions. And they're mostly about, like... We always do. Deep sea currency and <laughs> the shark mob. And shark mob and shark cops. Shark cops, for sure. Are they as corrupt as human cops? Mm. First of all, do shark cops only police sharks? Mm. No, I think that sharks are the cops of the sea. Oh, well, that seems unfair because they're, like, you know, much bigger. Yeah, just kind of like how we have the same problem with cops in our country. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, don't make our mistake. Yes. Make clownfish the cops. <laughs> you can't take them seriously. Or starfish. Make them the clowns. Why? You're Maybe they so- have higher aspirations Your undersea that. society structure is very bizarre to me. Well, don't live there. <laughs> okay, I won't live in Go your... Go live in the... In your undersea <laughs> shark structure. You're not invited. <laughs> What is it? No girls allowed. <laughs> it's a, you know, clown lives matter. Anyway. Clown fish lives matter. Working at the car wash, yeah. Shark Tale is a masterpiece. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we'll be right back after these messages. I have a message. <laughs> is it the Shark Tale 2 is a masterpiece? It will be. DreamWorks. I'm asking for 20 mil. Yeah, you guys are going to reboot everything else. You're not going to reboot, well reboot the Will Smith Tale. animated. Will Smith is also on like a journey of self-discovery, so it's like really good branding and marketing right now. I agree. All right. All right, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be right back. Right back. Big. I got to go find my shark knife. <laughs> shark knife. Ooh, ha, ha. <laughs> Spooky. Yeah. Okay. So I'm doing the mystery of the Tunguska event. (gasps) Yes. Yes. Hooray. So on June 30th, 1908, at around 717, I'm assuming PM, Avenki natives and Russian settlers in the hills northwest of Lake Baikal saw a column of bluish light 
almost as bright as the sun, streak across the sky from the east toward the north. Ten minutes later, there was a bright flash and a sound like artillery fire. She took her collar off. (laughs) Ow. You're such a brat. They heard a boom. They heard a boom. The sounds were accompanied by a shock wave that knocked people off their feet and broke windows hundreds of kilometers away. The explosion registered at seismic stations across Eurasia and airwaves from the blast were detected in Germany, Denmark, Croatia, the United Kingdom, and as far away as Batavia. Batavia? Is that a, what is, anyway, and Washington, D.C. Um, oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the resulting shockwave was the equivalent of an earthquake measuring 5.0 on the Richter scale. Mm-hmm. Um, the explosion released enough energy to reduce reindeer to charred carcasses and flatten trees for more than 2,000 square kilometers around the blast site. The war on Christmas. It's the war on Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. It is the largest impact event on Earth in recorded history. Cool. Um, days later... Wait, what about... Oh, up until that point? No, ever. What about the A-bombs? It is the largest no. impact event. No. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. Um, that'll come up. Uh, due to uh, Days later, strange phenomena were observed in the sky over Russia and Europe. There were like glowing clouds and the sunsets were super colorful and there was a like weak luminescence in the night. Mm. Due to the instability of Russian politics and the remoteness of the site, it wasn't actually investigated until 1927 when a man named Leonid Kulik, who was the chief curator for the meteorite collection of the St. Petersburg Museum, led an expedition to Tunguska. Yay, nerds. Gay nerds. So at first, the locals, he would like went to the locals and he was like, what can you tell me about it? And they were like, no, uh, nope. Um, because they thought that it was a visitation of the god Ogdi. Mm. Which I thought was interesting because that is what um, Maggie's hedgehog hedgehog is named. Ogdi is uh, said to have cursed the area by smashing trees and killing small animals, which sounds like something our Ogdi would do, for sure. So, when they reached the site, they found 800 square miles of forest had been torn (gasps) from the ground. Eight million trees were lying on their sides in a radial pattern, pointing directly away from what they assumed was the epicenter of the blast. When they arrived at ground zero, they found a five-mile area of trees that were still standing, but their limbs and bark had been torn away. What? Mm-hmm. There was no impact site and no meteorite fragments. Cool. So eventually, they got the locals to talk to them. They got more than 700 eyewitness accounts. Also... <laughs> I got so confused because I was doing this research and I found all of these accounts that said that it happened on June 17th. And I was like, this is another fucking Roswell. Like, nobody can get their dates right. This is going to be part of the conspiracy. But I learned that Russia was on the Julian calendar way after everyone else. Um, And then I also found when I was... Julian did it. When I was... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's always Julian's fault. I found out that the Russian Olympic team showed up 12 days late to the Olympics in 1908 because they were on the wrong calendar. Yes, you told me that. 
Did I tell yes, you? Yes, you did. It was, I... Or I think found that out somehow by accident, but I became aware of that fact recently. Yeah. God, it's so fucking funny. So, a man named S.B. Semenov, I don't, I mean, S.B. Semenov, who was a Shark peasant... Shark R. Murder. <laughs> a man named Shark R. Murder, a peasant living in the area at the time, said... Peasant. Peasants. There's got to be another word for what Well, this is is. what it said. Okay. A normal human being living in the area at the time said, The sky split in two and fire appeared high and wide over the forest. The split in the sky grew larger and the entire northern side was covered with fire. At that moment, I became so hot that I couldn't bear it as if my shirt was on fire. From the northern side where the fire was came strong heat. I wanted to tear off my shirt and throw it down, but then the sky shut closed and a strong thump sounded and I was thrown a few meters. What? He must have thought it was like the second coming. (laughs) Or Ogdi. He must have thought it was like the, you know, what's it called when all the good people? Yeah. (laughs) Raptors. Side note. Oh my God. I put on a movie at work the other day called Left Behind. It is a Nicolas Cage action adventure film about a pilot, but also about the rapture. Whoa. Spoilers. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Do you, I won't tell you anything. Anyway, the rapture happens and Nicolas Cage is flying a plane at the time. Cool. It's the best movie I've ever seen. So the original accepted explanation for the blast was that a meteorite had entered the atmosphere and had exploded before impact which would explain why there was no impact site and why it was, like, out in all directions. But no meteorite pieces were ever found. Okay. Which doesn't really support the meteorite theory because it's rocky. What if it just totally, like, incinerated itself and and just, like, evaporated? That's not how meteorites work. Well, we'll get there. I don't know that. Listen, (laughs) don't worry. I'm about to solve your problem. In 1930... It was proposed that it was a comet and not a meteor that entered the atmosphere. A comet is composed of dust and volatiles such as water, ice, and frozen gases that can vaporize, and that would explain why there were no traces. Yes. It's like when you find the man, like, hanging in the room filled with water, mm-hmm. and it's like it was an he ice He was stabbed block. by an ice. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> man. No, he was not stabbed by an ice man. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought the riddle was, like... You find a man with, like, a puncture wound and water, and then you're like, oh, someone stabbed him with an icicle. What is it, actually? (laughs) That would be so verbose for, like, a children's riddle. (laughs) And also, that's what the CIA actually did. To whom? They, uh, it's like the heart attack gun with the, um toxin like the octopus toxin or whatever in a little tiny icicle and they shoot it into your heart that's so cool yeah no the riddle is it's like a man has like hanged himself from the ceiling but there's nothing for him to have stood on but the room like the floor is all wet and it was like oh he was standing on an ice block and then it melted oh which is dark for a children's I riddle i thought he got stabbed with an icicle if you look it up and show me that i will believe you Well, don't believe me. That's your first (laughs) mistake. So, the comet hypothesis. It was also supported by the glowing skies, um, which could have been explained by the dust and ice that had dispersed from the comet's tail in the upper atmosphere. Also... Mystery solved. Great. All right. Who Uh, bonos? (laughs) Space. (laughs) Um, The effect of the blast closely resembles 
the results from what is called Operation Blowdown, which is an explosives test that was carried out in the Iron Range jungle of Australia's Cape York Peninsula in 1963, which was meant to simulate the effects of a nuclear weapon on a tropical rainforest, which is an interesting test Mm -hmm. to do. Um, what they found was trees nearest the blast center were stripped mm-hmm. and bare, but still standing because the blast waves were traveling vertically right, right at the at center, the center mm-hmm. and too fast yes. to like actually knock anything down. And then as they became horizontal, the trees outside were leveled. That makes sense. Um, and then 37 years after the Tunguska event, the same effect with the branchless trees was found at the Hiroshima site. <gasps> Wow. Mm-hmm. Then, in 1983, an astronomer named Zdenek Sekanina published a paper and was like, the comet hypothesis doesn't make any sense. He said that an astral body composed of cometary material traveling through the atmosphere, at the they calculated that it was at 30 degrees to the ground, that it would have disintegrated before it even got close close to the ground. Um, he argued that the evidence pointed to a dense, rocky object, more like an asteroid or a meteor, but we don't have any physical evidence that it was a meteor. And then in 2001, another study was released that calculated the probabilities based on an orbital modeling extracted from the atmospheric atmospheric trajectories of the Tunguska object, and they concluded with a probability of 83% that the object moved on an asteroidal path originating from an asteroid belt. I read their whole study. I cannot figure out which asteroid belt they're talking about, but they were like, 83%... (laughs) Mystery (laughs) solved. They were like, 83% asteroid, 17% cometary. So... They also, this team was like, there's a there's a lake called Lake Checo that is near the blast site, and they were like, that lake was created by the meteorite. And everyone was like, we have a lot of follow-up questions. Was it not there before this? This is where the follow-up questions come in. They cite several things. They claim, and I could not verify this, that there's no cartographical evidence or representation of the lake prior to 1908. Hmm. They were like, it didn't exist until then. I don't know if that's true. I don't know how to verify it. Um, They also took, like, sediment cores from the lake, and they were like, this layer of sediment corresponds to what would be found from a meteorite. And they looked at the trees from around the lake, and they saw that there was a sudden abundance of light and a lack of competition around 1908. Mm. So they were like, the lake was the impact site, but that still doesn't make any sense. Okay. And then, so I'm going to, I'm going to get into the other theories. So we have uh, meteorite doesn't make sense because there should be evidence, but also maybe this team in 2001 found evidence. Comet, which is more acceptable, but doesn't make sense because it would have burned up already. Then we have an astrophysicist named Wolfgang Kunt who proposed that the Tunguska event was caused by the release and subsequent explosion of 10 million tons of natural gas from within the Earth's crust. My first thought was, was it like a pocket of natural gas that exploded somehow? Yeah, so the idea is that it leaked out of the crust 
and then rose to its equal density height in the atmosphere, drifted downwind, and, like, it left a tail that worked as a wick. Cool. That's super cool. And then eventually found some kind of ignition source, like lightning, and then the gas at the end of the tail got ignited, and it, like, went down the wick, and then down to the source of the leak underground. Totally. And, like, blew up. But that, for me, doesn't explain the, like, epicenter of trees. I know, Olive. So, the next theory I have for you. Wait, hold on. What? That does make sense to me, though, because it would explain if it came down, like, imagine the leak is, like, in the center of the trees that were not as fucked up as the other trees. Mm -hmm. So... In that, it would it would be replicating the same physics. Oh, like opposite. Yes, it would be like. Yes, it would go underground up from underground and then out. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. I buy that. Good science. Thanks. Okay, so the next one is what is called an antimatter comet. There is love that idea. Oh, I know. There is a hypothetical comet that is composed solely of antimatter. Um. And this man named Philip J. Wyatt suggested that the Tunguska event may have been caused by a meteor made of antimatter. Um, but that also doesn't make any sense because the second the antimatter comet entered our atmosphere, it would have already been obliterated mm-hmm. because the second antimatter touches matter, it's gone. Got it. So it wouldn't, it couldn't have made it to the ground. Got it. But an interesting concept, antimatter comets. Love that. But also, the probability of an antimatter comet making it all the way to Earth in general is yeah. like so is so low because there's no matter in space, but there's matter floating in space. Constantly. And like, it, so would it would have, have had just dodged had to, every yeah. <laughs> single piece of matter in space. It was being piloted by reptilians. Probably. Anti-reptilians. Whoa. So then, in 1973... Two physicists named Michael P. Ryan and Albert A. Jackson suggested that the event was caused by a small black hole passing through Earth. What? Yeah. And left no evidence? It left the destruction in Tunguska. But no no evidence, like, in the ground when it passed through the Earth? This is the problem with this theory. So here's what they proposed, that it would be... um, Somewhere in the region of 10 to the 17th kilograms, which is the same mass as Saturn's moon Prometheus, but it would have been, it would have had a Schwarzschild radius of 0.15 nanometers. Do you know what a Schwarzschild radius Mm -mm. is? It's just the event horizon. Okay. So you, it. Right. Yeah. Um, So it would have been teeny, teeny, tiny, super dense. Obviously it's a black hole, but everyone was like, but if it passed through earth, it would have caused something on the other side. That's what I'm thinking. Um, Which is interesting because on January 8th of 1908 in what's on the opposite side of the earth from there? The Pacific Ocean somewhere? Yeah, I mean it probably would have been the ocean and so we would never know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, But it also probably... Except for that Sharknado that came out of it. (laughs) Oh my god, what if Sharknado is going to be real and it was caused by a, a tiny black hole passing tiny through the black earth. hole passing through the earth in 1908. And now the sharks have knives. Damn it, and a mob. If the if the asylum <laughs> is listening, we just wrote Sharknado 8 for you. We got you. The sharks organized have shark crime yeah. with knives. Um, but it also would have eaten part of the earth as it went through. So right. there would have been like a Right. So, bye. 
These are my two favorite explanations. The first one is Tesla did it. Okay. Yes. I so, buy it, honestly. <laughs> so Tesla built this thing called the Wardenclyffe Tower in Long Island. It's 187 feet tall, and it's meant as both a means for facilitating worldwide wireless communication. So he basically built a cell phone tower. Yeah. Like a giant Tesla coil cell phone tower. Um, and he was like, I can transmit radio waves and electrical power between continents. And it's all wireless. Mm-hmm. And the plan was to build a bunch of them around the world and just yeah. use those. So he invented cell He phones. invented cell phone towers. But there was another use for the Wardcliffe Tower, and that was a death ray. Okay. That he called either the Teleforce or a Peace Ray. Mm. Which is... Um, and it was like... White men do think of death rays as peace rays, <laughs> yeah. don't they? True. His whole thing death was like... Death peace to them. It's like... Yeah. If we just kill everybody... Just we'll I'll kill peace. him before he kills me. Yeah. was the idea. Yeah. And... Who? Edison? <laughs> Yes. And then, so he, starting in 1900 and until he died, Tesla, like, kept kept trying to schedule a camping trip (laughs) with that Thomas Edison in the woods. (laughs) No, he kept being like, I mean, like, don't worry about it, but I'm working on a super weapon. Yeah. And everyone was like, what? And he was like, don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. But it's a super weapon. And then in 1937, he was doing a press conference and everyone was like, Tesla, Tesla, like... We heard that the Teleforce is still in the concept stage. And he was like, no, I fucking built it and tested it. He was like, don't worry about it. (laughs) Finished. (laughs) (laughs) And there's like some correspondence between him and someone who was like adventuring at the North Pole. And the, so the idea of is that he tried to test. And their text pinged off the cell phone he tower. Was trying, he was trying to text him yeah. using his peace ray. And instead of getting it to the North Pole, it just hit the middle of Russia. Cool. So that's one of the theories. Interesting. And obviously, the most important and probable one is that aliens did Aliens, yeah. Yeah. So the idea behind aliens for the Tunguska event is that it was a meteor. And the aliens saw it and they were like no (laughs) and they benevolent guardian aliens (laughs) yes yeah so they came and they like collided they like suicide missioned it where they collided their ship with the meteorite (gasps) to save earth i love that there is a man that's a movie i know right we should make a movie about that Mm -hmm. there's a man named yuri lavbin who is the head of the Tunguska Space Phenomenon Fund. Mm -hmm. So he's biased, to say the least. (laughs) He is 100% sure that it was aliens. Cool, yeah. And then in August of 2004, he took a team to the Tunguska site and then was like, we found pieces of a spaceship. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Was it bits of foil and sticks (laughs) and a little purple writing? It was a large metallic block. Okay. He sent it away for testing. I can't find on the internet what the results of the test was. Probably because it wasn't what he wanted. It, it wasn't at all. Yeah. But so he sent the he went on the expedition, found this block, sent it to a lab, and then immediately was like, "We found a spaceship," but without getting the lab results back. Mm-hmm. But there's also there are a couple camps in the Yuri followers okay. about the aliens. 
The most accepted one is that they were coming to Earth's rescue. They shot down a meteorite. Boom. The other one is that it was just a big goof. Like a big galactic It was a galactic misunderstanding. Goof. Yes, truly. The idea is that the aliens on a planet they were on a planet orbiting the star 61 Cygni mistakenly thought that the eruption of Krakatoa in 1883 was an attempt of us trying to communicate with them. So they like came to talk to us and then they had a laser probe and they like shot the laser probe at us to be like, hi. (laughs) And they just exploded. (laughs) And they just exploded 800 square miles of... (laughs) I love that. Russia. Because that's like season two of the student drivers. Yes. Like, <laughs> trying like Klaxar, like Klaxar's gets assigned like, we to. We received communication from Earth. And they were like, no, we didn't. <laughs> he was like, I'm going to say hi. <laughs> Which button is it? And they're like, the green one. And he's like, blue. <laughs> and he sends a laser beam and it was just Krakatoa. It just exploded everything. That's hilarious. Klaxar fucks everything up. So that's the Tunguska event. I really thought when I was doing this research that I was, I like got to the comet part and I was like, that's it. Yeah. And I thought about it for 35 seconds and I was like, that's not it. Mm-hmm. It couldn't have made it to Earth. Mm-hmm. And there's also like theories that, um, the, that Russia was testing weapons. Yeah, totally. I believe that, that 100%. I think it's weapons testing over it. A comet. I think it's either weapons testing or like a natural gas explosion. Yeah. I don't know how. The na- it's just the problem. That would also explain why there was a blue streak of light in the sky. Yeah, because that would have been the tail of the wick. Mm-hmm. But it also could have been just like the weapon shooting through the sky. Totally. It's just did any kind of like natural event causing that is so statistically unlikely that I just don't. I yeah, have but, so much trouble accepting anything that's statistically unlikely. Sure, but uh, my counter to that is, like, every weird natural event that's ever happened has been so statistically unlikely. Like, Krakatoa. But crack like, the eruption of a volcano is, like, at least primed. Sure, but th- our Earth is just full of gas and oil. You don't think there's going to, like, occasionally be a weird random explosion? Like, some anything could ignite it at any time. Yeah, I guess insert joke about, like, me eating Mexican food. <laughs> <laughs> that does not count as a joke. <laughs> Why? Because I didn't. <laughs> you didn't set it up or execute it. You set it up. You didn't execute it. I did not, no. <laughs> I just yeah, feel I like, yeah. It, I just feel like, because I'm sure something like that has happened several times in the history of the Earth, and we just haven't fucking we noticed it. We just weren't it. around for yeah. it. It's just so crazy. I mean, I think I the thing that comes to mind for me is those, like, underwater... Um, Lakes? Close. Those, like, tiny areas that are just, like, full... Like, they're being heated by the, like, layer beneath the Earth's crust, and so, like, only, like, one organism lives in it. Oh, yeah, those, talking about? The, the ones that look like really long tulips. Yes. 
um, those like little places at like the bottom of the ocean that are like really really hot and it's like I think of stuff like that all the time and I'm like yeah for sure there was like a natural gas explosion in the middle of a forest and no one knows why or it was weapons testing yeah either one of those works for me honestly I also should probably shut up because I'm the person who's like it's statistically unlikely that there is an intelligent life out in the universe so like I am depending on statistic improbabilities every time I get drunk and yell at a white man yeah you're depending on the statistical statistic improbability that he's not going to murder you, which is also a terrible decision. Hasn't because, happened yet. Because <laughs> most of the time they do that stuff. If I go down because I'm woman splaining to a man about intelligent life in the infinite universe, and then, he statistically happens to be the man that murders you, then yeah, that's listen, on you. I accept it. I love that though. Isn't that bananas? It's a great story. It's really. I love it because we just don't know what it we was. We truly there don't just know. Was like a big old there's explosion. Like, and yeah. Like, what was it? And there's like three scientific explanations that mostly make sense, but there's no way for. And there's and there there's have, aliens. There have also been events since then that kind of mimic. Yes. It. But we. So don't. we can kind of like forensically decide what the physics of it was, yeah. but what actually caused it, we don't know. Yeah. And from whence it came. Yeah. And from whence. From whence? Who bonos? <laughs> Who bonos? Space bonos. Space. Glaxar bonos. Glaxar bono. Well, no, no he didn't. Glaxar gets in trouble. Yeah. I can't believe Glaxar the Earth hasn't bonos, gotten kicked out The Earth school. gets to burp. Yeah. <laughs> and relieve some of that pressure. The Earth got a fucking break. Yeah. That's so weird. Or I think about, like, the Yellowstone geyser. Like, it's all just, like, so many weird geological phenomenon. Phenomena. Mm-hmm. That that could be attributed to, I think. Yeah. And it's interesting if you look at pictures of it now, like nothing grows there. Cool. There's that makes it like sound like it's circle. nuclear radiation, doesn't it? Right. It makes it sound like it was weapons testing mm-hmm. or a UFO. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or that the soil was like the, the natural gas yeah. or something like poison the soil. Mm-hmm. Cool. Not cool. I have so many questions also for, about the lake study. Which mm-hmm. I read. I fully read the whole thing. Sure. And I was like, I don't buy it. But yeah. it's very interesting. That is weird. Isn't that weird? Um, okay. We did it. So that's the Tunguska event. We have to go because when we're recording this, we're about to go do a Goosebumps Live. Yeah. So when you listen to this, like a week from now, definitely check the schedule and see what we're doing. Um, do you have anything? Mm-mm. Please rate and review. We will send you a shirt. We're ordering new shirts next week after I get paid. So (laughs) once I get paid, we order the shirts and then we will send them to people who rate and review. We already have a long list going of people that have earned shirts. I also just looked at the time for the first time this whole time and it's 1.19. That's creepy. (gasps) I mean, it's been an hour and 19 minutes at this point in the recording. Um, Yeah, I think that's it. Follow us on all the stuff at Mr. Team Inc. We're at Mr. Team Inc. 1 on Twitter, but we don't tweet. We're at Mystery Team Inc. on Live AF. Yeah, if you want to come watch Goosebumps, we're at Mystery Team Inc. on Live AF. You just download the app, it's free, and then you can search us. And if you follow us, it'll let you know what our schedule is. Mm, Thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, Fuckle the buck up. We don't know. Stay in your lane. Smooches. (laughs) Good night. I love smooches. I hate it, but I just am going to lean in. I listened to the episode today that it originated from, and you were so young and full of life when you said it. You were like, smooches. <laughs> oh, God. I must have been manic. I'm going to add the, I'm going to sample it at the end of this. Great. I love that. Goodbye. 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 
smooches. No. <laughs> <laughs>